Then, uh, Jan, I think we are ready. Recording. Yeah, we are recording. Are we? Uh, yeah, I am recording, and the sound is good. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So today we are here to talk about um, a new way of new, I would say. So I'll, I'll start with that question to you guys, uh, to our guests today, that I will be introducing you later. What, what, what does new mean to you? Uh, Regis, do you want to take it uh, or do you want me to answer first? No, I'm sorry, I can't think of it. No, I think well, if I'm being a little bit caricatural, I would say that uh, new is kind of our enemy, uh, I'd say. Um, uh, at, at back market, we have like kind of this inner purpose that, you know, we exist to sabotage the new device industry and like really trying to to promote um, uh, an alternative. So of course, it's it's much more ambivalent and ambiguous than that because at the end of the day, like everything we sell at one point was in the past a brand new device that has been manufactured. So if we really manage to overcome the enemy, uh, well, there won't be anything to refurbish anymore. So we'll be dead in the process. So I think we have to think of new as our enemy in the sense that um, uh, we fight uh, against the category that has not been challenged for decades. And so that's why we kind of need to gear up and be a little bit, you know, like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, combative when we think of, uh, of new, basically. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, new, for me, new is new, which is basically what we sell every year. Just for example, we sell uh, 16 million new devices, not only smartphones, obviously, everything uh, in our company. So uh, ba basically new is our business. Our, our, our companies, we are retailers. So basically the, the old fashioned way of retailing. So we are selling new devices to everybody. And um, this has been uh, our, our business and uh, we have been prosperous with that in the last 50 years. So. Basically, new is very important to us, but at the, the present time, we need to think of, okay, when, when you buy a new device, how long will, will it last? Okay, and that's the good question, because if we are talking about smartphones, for example, you just can say that we know that a new smartphone's average life is two years. So just think of it, keep it one more year, then make it three, and just doing that, we will decrease the impact of smartphone on the planet by 30%. Yeah. So it's okay. It's, it sounds easy, but there's a lot of work to do uh, on, on all consumers that are used to buy new devices every year. New is our enemy. That was quite a statement, right? Welcome everybody, uh, welcome to Fair Talks number seven. This is Miguel Ballester. And today we have an interesting conversation with two guys from two quite different companies. One is more a startup or rather a scale up that is uh, really changing what we think and how we buy refurbished phones. They are really making the new new. And we also have somebody from a slightly bigger company um, that has been selling new stuff for a very long time, but it's getting much, much more serious into repair in, and refurbishing. So we thought it would be interesting to bring them together and hear about their journey towards the same mission from two very different perspectives. And to all our listeners, we are talking today with um, 
two very interesting companies when it comes to selling new and the new new, or, uh, which is refurbished. So we are talking today with uh, Vianney Vaud from uh, Backmarket, one of the co-founders of Backmarket. We will hear more about, uh, about that uh, later. And Regis Kuning, uh, who is the director of services of FNAC Darty. So welcome to the guest today. Thanks for that uh, lovely introduction. So we talked about uh, new, and can you tell me a little bit more about how your organizations do uh, or make secondhand attractive or secondhand the new new? I let you uh, Regis take this one first. Yeah, okay. So but, uh, secondhand is a very small business for us, okay? Um, what we do with, with, with smartphones is that we have a, a retail stores, okay? So we have more than 100 uh, with fixed points. That are that are also doing repair. So they are repairing smartphones if you have broken your screen, for example, and uh, they they sell also refurbished uh, refurbished uh, smartphones, secondhand smartphones. So and the idea behind this is that okay, if you if you buy buy a smartphone that has been refurbished in France, and when you know the engineer uh, that is selling the smartphone to you, that's a good way to start because you know that if you will have even if it's second hand if you, you if you have any problem with that smartphone later on you know where to go to repair it and that's basically what what the way we address a second hand smartphone which is the huge business for us for for second hands and to to think of what 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 is the condition for that to to create a second hand market because we know that if we want to increase the lifetime of products Either way, there, there are some point in time for everybody that they want to change their product, let's say. So how, we, how can we enable that? And that's a big question for the next years. Nice. And what about you, Vianney? Can you tell us a bit more how uh, back market looks at this? Back market is kind of stuck between the, the new uh, category that we talked about already and the second hand one in the sense of, you know, like just use device that a consumer would give to another consumer, for example. As Regis was saying, like we, we evolve in a refurbished or renewed category, uh, which is basically a, a second hand device that is checked by uh, a refurbisher uh, and, uh, you know, that can go through some repairs if this is needed and put back on the market with a warranty, a 12 month warranty in France, a little bit more in Spain or other geographies, but with a warranty and hopefully a, a nice discount to make it attractive. And on our role is to, I would say, first clarify what's the distinction between a refurbished device and a new one, but a refurbished device and a used one, you know, like this whole expert layer, uh, to clarify the distinction and, and try to make the, the refurbished category grow as much as possible with the the afterthought that at the end of the day, people, when they buy an electrical or electronical device that has been used before, they are ready to do so, but they can do it, uh, as Regis was saying, like with a set of services, some warranties, some expertise um, uh, that, uh, that is going to create uh, uh, enough trust for them to, uh, to, to take the leap. Uh, and then I'm, I'm sure we, we have plenty of things to discuss uh, with Regis that uh, has a awesome model with WeFix that is very local uh, at back markets because we have to meet so many consumers uh, and so much demand 
uh, we had uh, uh, to globalize the, the the supply more than uh, uh, than uh, for example what a, a, a we fix can deliver uh, so within our company like there is always like the arbitrage between like okay how can i uh, keep like a, a business that creates strong uh, um, uh, you know condition of trust and at the same time uh, uh, build enough supply uh, to uh, to to meet the demand so that's a, a permanent uh, uh, balance that we have to to find basically yeah and it's very interesting that you talk about trust and um, i think like maybe we can uh, deep dive there a little bit more and how you create how are you today uh, creating this trust uh, among the in the consumer market right and and maybe i'll just i'll just quickly touch upon um, a little bit how we why we are here today as well you know so we have been partner partnering with Fnac Darty for for a while now, and now we are uh, inaugurating a new partnership with uh, with Back Market. For us, from a Fairform perspective, is super important to uh, to engage uh, with with companies like you that are at the at the forefront and and in building that trust and relationship with consumers uh, for a new way of doing electronics, at least from our sides, right? Like we. Uh, develop products that are more modular and more repairable and hopefully making your job uh, also easier when it comes to repairing those devices and, and offering them back, not only for Fairphone, right? Like we are trying to, and we are inspiring the rest, uh, the rest of the industry. So I would like to hear from you a little bit more about that trust. How are you building that trust in your um, consumer base um, from both of your perspectives, right? Because back market and FNAC Darty are in size very diff different. So uh, uh, the the scale that, that FNAC Darty can, can reach is, is much higher. So maybe there are some opportunities there that back market will have later, but I can also see maybe the the startup scale up creativity of back market can also bring new things. So maybe you can say a little bit about that, those. I, I think, uh, um... The, the trust for back market is is our main challenge. I I, I think uh, Darty notably is a, is a is a, a brand that is very reputable in terms of uh, of trust. Uh, when we started back market, um, the idea was quite simple. It was like, how can I create in a market like this refurbished market that is very atomized and, and quite shady, uh, to tell the truth? Uh, how can I create like? Uh, one place where there are uh, uniform uh, quality standards, uh, where there are uh, clear uh, checkpoints for the merchants to make sure that uh, uh, you don't have uh, uh, bad refurbishers that can uh, sell, sell their devices, etc. So it's really a place that is not designed just for access, but really for trust. It would be uh, a little bit arrogant uh, to say that uh, um, we, we, we are done with that. Actually, I think when we, when we started back market, like our goal was to establish a, a place uh, where we can bring uh, trust within the market, but the refurbished market. But uh, truth is that it's a, it's a it's a lifetime job for the company actually. And what's interesting is like to see the way we managed to raise the bar in terms of quality standards so far. I remember like when we launched seven years ago, uh, I was uh, I mean the founders were obviously in charge of the customer uh, after sales service because uh, we we had to 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 do it. And the first time I had a, a, a client uh, complaining, I think it was about a, a charger or something like that. And he was the client was saying like, I don't have any answer from the from the refurbisher. And so I pick up the phone and I call the refurbisher and I say, you have to answer our clients. You know, it's kind of like the basics of uh, commerce here. 
And he said, yeah, we have the demand, it's there, like the, the claim, uh, but we're going to, uh, you know, it's, it's a standard two weeks process for us to just read it, process it and answer. And so this is, and it was a good refurbisher. We still work with it. It is French. Like the, nothing is wrong. It's just like the, the culture and the mindset of this uh, of this company was simply not adapted. I think to the to the more B two C approach that we are promoting. Yeah. And my point is like this is just to show that this is kind of where we started at every level. The quality of customer care, the the quality of uh, the you know like the, the fail rate and so on. It was uh, a challenge since day one to say, okay, this is where we start and how do we progressively raise the bar uh, so that we don't just create like, you know, the uh, look and feel of trust, but like at the end of the day, it's about quality. And, and if you deliver on quality, this is how you establish uh, trust. And today, well, we are quite transparent about our achievement uh, in terms of fail rate. For example, I think we started uh, around a 12, 13% fail rate uh, still uh, five years ago, uh, which is huge uh, because uh, it means that uh, one client uh, over 10 is going to have an issue. Uh, with all the process we put in place, like we are evolving around between four to six, depending on the kind of device we sell. And we could say, great, we divided the fail rate by two, but like that's simply not satisfying uh, enough because when you reach millions of consumers, it means that hundreds of consumers are going to be uh, disappointed uh, mm -hmm. in you uh, sold. So, well, trust is uh, quality at work, and and I think we have a lot of work to do in back market, but we already have uh, very promising uh, results and impact, I guess, for the category. Yeah, and uh, Regis, how do you react to that? Like from the, I know you have. First, I have to say that um, the, the, the job back market do, has done in the last years, in five years, five to 10 years, is impressive. When you start as a startup and you go uh, so far, it means that behind you need to have the right, uh, the right process and the right quality. And um, we, as Magdati, we, we don't have the same history. Okay? Basically, we, the two companies now have merged, but they both have been funded in the in the 70s, okay, and basically both Snack and Darty has the same culture of trust, and they, you know, the in French we call it the contrat de confiance, which means the trust agreement, which is a brand in France. Okay, so there is the, the trust comes from there because the, our customers know that okay, we have been here for 50 years, and we will probably be there within 50 years too. Okay, hopefully, and um, the. That's basically what we've done, and this is okay a day-to-day -day job. So if if you want to if you want to build trust, you need to say I need to 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 be responsible and to take responsibility for the the problems uh, they can have, and that's true for new products, but that's also true mm -hmm. for refurbished products. Yeah, I really like this line from your website, Vianne, uh that says uh, an alternative to new that is joyful and elegant. And I think that's uh, changing the perspective of what uh, new means is, uh, is uh, very important to build uh, that trust. Uh, Regie, I was also interested in learning a bit more about your repair subscription, because I think like so uh, uh, back market sells refurbished devices, but I feel that you are also very strong in providing a very good service during the life cycle uh, of the products. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? We need to increase the lifetime of the products. That's a fact, okay? Because if we don't do it, we, we will face tremendous issues for the planet, okay? Just 
80% just, I like this figure because when you buy a smartphone, a TV, 80% of the impact on the planet is at the production time. Okay. And only 20% is everything else. So yeah. if, we, if, we, if we really want to, to save the planet to do something for the, for the climate change, we need basically to increase the lifetime of the products. So, and there are di different ways of increasing that lifetime. The first way is to sell products that are stronger, okay, that are more reliable, that don't break, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, there will be a break, okay? <laughs> if you, you will have a defect anytime, maybe in one year, maybe in 10 years, but at a given point of time, there will be a problem on, on every product. That's, that's the way it is. So when you have this problem, you need to repair it, okay? If you want to increase the lifetime, you, instead of just putting it to waste, you just need to repair and increase the lifetime by repairing. But when you look at it today, often the repair cost is perceived too high. Okay, when you compare buying a new product versus the repair price, sometimes you say, okay, I can buy a refurbished or a new product instead of repairing it. But at the end of the day, you are creating waste. So to improve the, the way we are repairing products and to help people repairing products, we, we created a subscription-based repair system. So basically you pay, you are paying every month 10 euros, a little bit less than 10 euros. And for that amount, you can repair as many times as you want, as many devices you, as you want, okay? It's re really a subscription-based repair system with uh, built-in uh, customer experience that's very easy to repair. You just basically, you have on, an app on your smartphone, you just click and somebody, somebody calls you back and we send an engineer to your home next day, okay? So, uh, so to make it very easy, very transparent in terms of price, and limit on the time or on the number of repairs, on the number of equipment you have, just a repair subscription. Today, this repair is called Dartimax. Okay, and we launched it in France and also in Belgium. In Belgium, it's called Vulnerable Life. So uh, today we are addressing the, the major domestic appliances like ovens, washing machines, dishwashers, these kind of things. And we are thinking in the next in the next year extending it, extending it to basically every device you can have. Yeah, what I read is that was very interesting is that uh, so you are in control of that repair, right? Like, so it is really your company that does that repair. I, I read somewhere that you uh, stock more than, I don't know if that's true, more than 8 million spare parts of different devices. Um, it must be a, a huge operation to... Yeah, it's a huge operation. Actually, we have more than 2,500 people working just on the repair business. That's our second business, okay? And uh, we are... We have more than 2.5 million calls, customer calls every year for, for, for problems, okay, on, on, on their devices. Mm -hmm. And so we are handling it. Hopefully, sometimes, and more than 40, 40 to 50, 50%, uh, that's, it's not a real problem. We can solve it even by phone or by video. So we can do mm -hmm. uh, Zoom calls with our customers to help them and they can fix it themselves because it was not really a, a problem. And then at the end of the day, there are still 1.5 million products that have that are repaired every year by our engineers. 
And uh, so that's uh, it's important for us. It has huge impact on the planet, obviously. But uh, but we want to do more, okay? Because we, we just launched a new strategic plan and we announced that we will go from 1.5 million repairs per year to 2.5 uh, million repairs per year in the next uh, in the next five years. Uh, we will recruit uh, and uh, more than 500 new engineers, okay, to to do to do these repairs. And uh, and it's also for smartphones. We are opening every year more than 30 new. We fix stores when everybody can just to have a, a instant repair near to your home. So it's really so we, we've decided that repairing products, increasing lifetime of products, is really at the at the core of our future. Okay, because yeah. we need we need to change our business model and to move to a, a business model that is resilient, uh, increasing lifetime of products, and. And therefore, we need to change the way we think and find new source of revenues from the um, circular economy and just mm. not for selling new products. Yeah. What, what I find interesting is that uh, you, from both your respective uh, uh, businesses, you also built uh, some sort of um, design intelligence, if I can call it like that. You get to know so much the products that you are selling because you are also repairing them. You are also solving problems of of customers. So I would dream in a world where companies like, like you guys are nearly like design consultants to uh, the companies of the products that you are selling. So yeah, actually, we, are, we are already do, doing it. So basically, if, uh, okay, we are, we are working with our, the, our suppliers and the industry to, 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 to give them all the feedback we have, or all the data we have, and so they can improve their products. And from time to time, also they stop their products, or at least we stop selling them because uh, they are the, the failure rate is too high. Yeah. Okay? I think there is something very interesting here in the the role of the retailer. So Fnac Darty is going much further than uh, what Back Market is doing. You know, having the actual hands on the device and the act of repair. Yet you see the responsibility as a retailer because you're the one who's in touch with the consumer. You're the one who have all the uh, feedback from the consumer, whether it's qualitative or, or quantitative. And, and this is only through this data that you can actually go see either a manufacturer or sometimes in our case, a reseller, but say, you know, this is at scale. What are the main issues with this or, this or that product? And and. Uh, it's very interesting, like for us on the uh, smartphone, notably, like because we now have millions of consumers and and tons of consumers' feedback, we are now able to see, like you know, what are the main um, uh, issues with the iPhone 12 and how does it compare with like you know three generations before, and 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 this data can be very valuable for for manufacturers to to improve as well, I guess. Hmm. And. I believe like you have both been uh, involved in the French repairability index uh, that just, uh, just, just launched. So within the context of what would you ask manufacturers to do different so that uh, their products are more repairable and, and also in the context of the French repairability score, where do you think we, we are going? Where do you think there are things that need to change? Um, from the manufacturer side, but also what are things that we can do in the future in terms of repairability index and score to keep pushing the industry in that direction? Maybe I can start on this one, but I, I think the, the act of repair is 
is a, is the fundamental stuff when it comes to you know getting free from the um, uh, from from the new device uh, category it's all about like i own it i can open it i'm not scared and i i can basically like whether it's through an expert or, or myself like we work closely as well in the us notably with uh, ifixit which is a self repair company but pretty much like the same just for the this podcast Okay, cool. They are very exciting company as well. But uh, but um, uh, there, there is something fundamental here, saying like I'm not gonna be a passive consumer, and and I think every step that is taken in the direction of uh, um, putting the consumer. What I love about the repairability in index is like it's it's not as much like you know like uh, how it can help you repair stuff, but how it can at the moment you're buying something make you not just a passive consumer but a potential repair guy uh, whether mm -hmm. it's you that repairs or go to a shop mm -hmm. uh, uh, i love this idea of instilling in consumers mind this idea of at one point you're going to repair it it's almost like the reflex of repair is embedded in the act of purchase and and i think maybe it can sound very symbolic but i think this is already a very uh, a, ver a very important symbol yeah. And after that, like, well, uh, yeah. we had a lot of reparability index already. Like, I fix it, notably, is doing a great job when it comes to smartphones, notably. Uh, but I, I, I think, like, having one clear standard within the, the industry is, uh, is something that is definitely uh, going in a great direction. We are super excited about those kind of topics because it can have a tremendous impact on the, on the, on the category and on millions of consumers. So that's exciting. What's what's new with this index is that you put durability uh, as a choice decision you do you make the consumer makes at the purchase time and that's important because when you go and when you ask uh, one of customers uh, how long do you plan to to keep your product uh, some they will say oh, only two years or only three years and that's the first problem is that People don't buy, or less and less in the last in the last decades, they, they bought products not to keep them. They they just there was just consumer products and not equipment products. Okay, and when something new with this with this uh, repair repair score is that it creates at the purchase time this notion of you can repair your product and you can keep it longer. And second second thing is that it will drive the industry to increase the repairability because and this is definitely what we have seen you, you everybody knows the um, uh, the energy label it's it's a, a label that has that is 25 years old and uh, we we've seen the changes created by by this label and and at, at a point that they were they they, they had to add new uh, new criteria new levels, they were, right? everybody yeah. was a so they had a plus a plus plus a three plus and why because okay if you have two products the same characteristics probably um same price but you need something else to compare and the repair score will be a, a point of comparison and there, yeah. are, there will be companies that will try to increase the score just to have a competitive advantage and do you guys think that it will also create more more space in the market for uh, for a different price of products as well? Do you think this is something that will influence uh, well consumers willing to pay more or consumers willing to think more long term about what they are buying and looking at 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 the cost benefits in a different way? 
Uh, yeah, what, what, what from our studies we say we see that uh, the, the consumers are willing to pay more if they know that their product will last longer. Okay, and that's one key element in the in the the whole idea of increasing lifetime of products, also because uh, you, you actually you can create value uh, because since consumer will may want to pay a little bit more. Uh, they will keep their product longer. So, at globally speaking, they they will pay less. Actually, if you if you look on ten years, but it creates uh, more unit value, and creating more more unit value uh, is good for the business model, especially for all retailers, whatever the whatever the, the the business model is, because the cost of retailers is based on 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 volumes and not on value of the product. So you can. So it's it's good to 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 have that, and in the meantime, having a repairable product doesn't mean that you need to have uh, an expensive product. Okay, we know because we, we do a lot from our technicians, we we do a lot of things and analysis. I hope we get to a place where uh, it doesn't matter like how, what price the device is indeed uh, is as repairable. Yeah, yeah. May, may, maybe about about the this repair score because we've been. At, at the heart of this repair score, we initiated it in uh, 2018, inspired also by iFixit. It's very exciting, actually. It was a very exciting project and built a very short period of time because if you think of it, if we started uh, in 2018 and now it's in the law and mandatory for every product uh, since in, within two years, which is if you think about uh, the law, the regulation creation, this kind of thing, which was very, very fast. Yeah, definitely. And then I think France is really showing a, a great leadership in that uh, in that topic there. And I hope like that uh, many com uh, countries follow and uh, and European Union as well. So let's move on. Let's look at the future, Vianney. Um, what are the challenges ahead for for back market, but also for your mission? I would say. There is a playbook we've been uh, we've been writing so far that we have to keep on writing, and you know, like it's all about internationalization, uh, not just for uh, selling platform, but also like the whole buyback experience. Because uh, back market has two strong pillars uh, in France, like it's as much about selling that about uh, buying back uh, all devices so that they can be put back in the in the repair uh, and refurbished uh, process basically so I, I think like we have um, a lot of uh, a lot of work to do uh, on, on this side as well like we we just launched a, a buyback experience in in Germany we have to do it in the US uh, and uh, we are also extending our e-commerce uh, uh, website in uh, Japan I think uh, actually next week so uh, th that's a big stream I guess um, but I think we've been talking about repair a lot, uh, and I think one of the mid-term um, uh, future of back market lies there. We realize that uh, if we want to be coherent with our purpose, which is basically try, I think we're working all together in the same direction, which is kind of how can we make our machines immortal in a way, like that's a big, big ambition, but, uh, but uh, we have to be obsessed with how do I extend, how do I extend, how do I fight against uh, psychological obsolescence by saying like, yeah, you can buy new, but actually it's really a refurbished uh, device, but you still have the pleasure of owning something that you didn't own before. 
are uh, about like yeah when you buy something try to extend the life through the repair shops you know we fix or the local repair shop next door or like buy a kit and i fix it and repair it yourself i think i want the market to be much more involved in the process whether it's through partnerships uh with those local repair shops but uh, today we don't give options to our consumers uh you know when they have an issue whether it's during the warranty period or after the warranty period most critically we don't have anything interesting to 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 tell them after the warranty and i i think that's not something good we should be a company that says don't throw it away like uh, try to repair it like here are some good options or at least if you don't use it anymore well put it back on the market thanks to our buyback service so that's a big stream of new services new partnerships uh, that we are currently working on and it's going to take uh, some time to to deliver it at scale but i'm i'm super excited about that yeah i think at the end of the day when it comes to getting closer to our to our purpose or you know to this idea of like how do i fix an industry that has been unchallenged for decades and how do i really promote an alternative like we also have some ethical challenges to face and and that's that's a uh, super interesting like to which extent do i globalize my supply like should i like or at least when i involve more like um, merchants from asia for example who have like a lot of supply and actually a pretty strong knowledge in how to refurbish it because they know how to manufacture it so mm -hmm. so it's interesting to plug those guys but at the same time how can i do it in a coherent way with like it's also cool to have short circuits, you know, buy an iPhone in uh, uh, in Bagneux, refurbish it in Marseille, sell it in Lyon. Sorry for all those French uh, words, cities. But like there is something exciting there. And like if you truly want to fix the, the industry, that's also part of the, you know, it's a global industry. Why wouldn't we uh, try to promote something a little bit uh, more short? So I, I think typically we have to navigate and do those kind of ethical arbitrage and, and try to at least have uh, be able to meet the demand, but do it in a way that that is the most uh, ethical and, and, and interesting one. So that's also like uh, that's what lies in the future as we became a, a big company in some ways, uh, an international one. And uh, and, and, and I, I find all those questions like quite uh, quite exciting, like intellectually, it's uh, it's uh, super challenging. Good. Regie, what 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 are the challenges ahead? I. I heard from your conversation before, like you are planning to double the amount of products repaired per year. But are there any other directions that you that you look into in this? Yeah, the, the big. The, I, I think that the biggest challenge for us is to say, okay, what's the future of companies like us that have been uh, created and around selling new products and more and more new products every year? Okay. And so we need to reinvent uh, the, the business models. Uh, repair is definitely a direction, um, but to, to be able to repair products, you need to have engineers, so technicians, so you, we, we need to hire them. The problem, one of the big challenges we have is that there is not enough technicians on the on employment uh, market because there is no, in the last 30 years, there was no need, all the, right? the, the, the schools have been closed. Uh, yeah. for repair so you need to, to to hire somebody you just can't, can't train anybody yeah. so we are creating new schools uh to, to to train that's very interesting the new the new engineers again and also we are facing something that is more that is uh, beyond us which is 
Okay, our global economy is based on selling new products. There's more taxes on people and and mm -hmm. then on on uh, materials, which is a problem because circular economy, repair, refurbishment, everything is really in labor intensive. There, there's an, an economic challenge there, which is okay. How can we make circular economy competitive for the end consumer? If you if you want an a toaster that is broken, okay, you need an, uh, technicians to look at your toaster and and fix it. It takes I don't know thirty minutes maybe, okay, just to look at it and maybe maybe even yeah, small things thirty minutes. So you have to pay that guy thirty minutes, and which is good, Chris, uh, it creates more jobs. But uh, paying a, a, an engineer for thirty minutes in France, it costs much more than buying a new toaster. Yeah, no, it's clear. And I think it's super interesting what you're saying about the education and about uh, uh, bringing those schools because actually durability was kind of a basic engineering principle, right? Like good products would last long and would be easy to repair. They would be documented. So in a way, it's uh, also a little bit uh, going back in time and going back to the, to the basis of, uh, of, of, of good engineering. And I think the other topic that you touch upon, uh, it's also super interesting, like uh, on, on the way we taxate uh, uh, work and resources that definitely needs to change. And uh, from Fairphone, I think we, we really hope that the repairability index is also a way to start showing why that is important. And I'm, that's also why personally me, I'm, I'm so happy that this was also taken from, let's say, from the public sector. So, of course, with the with the initiative of the private sector, but together with the public sector to make it like a, yeah, to make it a standard, to make it something that is recognized and this, yeah, is very, very bold. I, I, I'm sorry, I kind of wanted to add something about this, you know, like how do I build up an ecosystem of uh, engineers and like a culture of engineering that works towards the side of uh, uh, repair and, uh, and refurbished. Um, I think we are obviously all working in kind of the same direction and excited about what lies ahead for our companies and the, the whole category. But I, sometimes I worry a little bit of, you know, like the how those all those uh, electrical or electronical devices become smarter and smarter, uh, and you know, like where hardware and software get more and more embedded. I feel like there is a huge challenge ahead in terms of engineering. I see also temptations from Apple notably that is uh, using the software and the security thing uh, as a great excuse so an excuse hard to to even uh, you know uh, contradict in the way like they say I want to you know I want to allow face ID repairs because at the end of the day it's about the privacy of the user that's that, that's a big question mark and I think those manufacturers need to also be more open and help us create this re-engineering culture that is both able to handle software and hardware update as those machines are becoming more and more smart basically that's totally right because when you look at the, um, the french repair score uh, in, the, in the initial score we've created at lab of NAC, there was a huge part of software there for example you had a better score if your device was compatible with open source uh, software okay mm. or you can change and swap from one software to the other one because in terms of durability it's very good because maybe you can't reinstall i don't know windows but you can install an alternative and new product will last longer okay and this has been removed from the official score and uh, for, for many reasons probably but that's that's a huge uh, issue 
And when you think that all these devices, your smartphone, uh, all the IoT, your PC now, even your washing machine are connected to internet and sending data uh, everywhere, um, that there's a strong public concern on what's, what's the software in that. Can, we, can you change the software you have in your devices? Can you upgrade it? And can you take control of that and all the data that is, that is created by these devices? So, which means that if you have, if you want to become a technician, you can't just repair this brand because you don't have the device to connect and to update the software. And it's a huge problem, okay? Yeah. Because if, if, if you want to have this market and this economy grows, you need to some, have some liquidity actually on it. And is that, is that a matter of controlling or is it a matter of willingness? So is it, is it a matter of making products that are more or less repairable or is it a matter of a company willing or, or wanting to control that repair process? Probably both. Uh, I, I would say uh, maybe I'm, I'm candid, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not. It was not in the mindset actually of uh, all the, the the industry in the last in the last ten years, twenty years. Uh, basically, the the design we, we are talking about eco design, this kind of stuff. It's not the way the engineer used to think. And uh, I believe that now that these issues uh, arise. Uh, it becomes a, con a concern of everybody. And um, even these manufacturers, they will have to, to engage. Either they want to keep the control, and by they will have to say it. Okay, we were talking about Apple. The Apple is saying it. Okay. Or they will need to, to say, uh, and they will need to have good reason for that. And uh, or they will have to go to more eco-design eco and, and more open things because... There's no in-between. So the good news is that industry will have to engage and to choose and to decide in which way they want to go. And, and there is a big, uh, uh, another big factor in the equation, which is uh, uh, power of citizens channeled by organizations such as uh, um, Regis quoted a, a great organization called the Alta l'obsolescence programmée, so Stop Planned Obsolescence in, in French. Uh, and they channel also those topics towards uh, the, the uh, lawmakers, basically. And, and I think that's uh, I, I, the reason that makes me still optimistic is like uh, what happened in GDPR and how it impacted companies without were absolutely impossible to challenge. Like we're speaking about Facebook, Google, those kind of, uh, of companies, uh, Amazon and so on. Well, the lawmakers did it in the EU, and now the US is following the trend. So I'm, I'm pretty sure at one point, uh, having a manufacturer that says, I own the device, even after selling it, uh, I still own you, consumer, and you repair it if I want you to repair at the cost I want you to pay, because that's basically what's happening. It, it's just not a, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a sustainable position. And, and I think citizens and lawmakers at one point will be. Uh, uh, will be pushy enough so that uh, we create a, mm. a real liquidity in the afterlife uh, category uh, and, uh, and how we deal with those, uh, those devices. That's yeah. my hope. And we, I think we are slowly moving, moving towards the end, uh, but I don't want to leave without asking a couple more questions. And one of them is like uh, when we, you guys are talking about control, um, 
and, and the transition to the circular economy, of course, the service propositions come to my mind. So like moving away from the traditional transactional way of selling products to a more service kind of uh, business models. How do you see that in your respective uh, uh, businesses? Is this is that selling a service instead of selling um, a product maybe one of the solutions to allow companies keep that control while doing the circular economy thing? I, I think on our side, uh, the service uh, uh, stream is super interesting because I, I already spoke a little bit on how we want to develop like uh, more services around like once I sold you the device, what can I, how can I help you keep it as long as possible? And, you know, like through repair, notably. So that's, I think, when, when uh, a big, um, a big stream of work for, for back market, but like, it's also about uh, services I can sell to uh, my, um, my refurbishers. And, and I think that's also one super exciting thing for, for us. Like, at first, I think we were really considered as a, as a, a simply a distribution channel uh, for the, the, our, our refurbishers the, that are plugged on back market. Uh, but we developed you now like a lot of different services that they are using uh, and, and to make them, you know, to leave this pure transactional uh, space to be like real, uh, a real industrial partner for them to be simply more, you know, uh, more competent at doing their job, like maybe by benefiting uh, uh, from our database uh, in terms of quality, in terms of customer satisfaction. We have a, a small lab, not as big as a, as a lab of NAC or, or, or Darty, but uh, uh, where we are testing softwares uh, that we can then uh, give to our refurbishing partners uh, if, they, if they lack uh, those kind of softwares. Uh, testing uh, spare parts, components, and so on. So I, I think it's exciting time for us because we have a, a lot of services to deliver, not just to, uh, to the user, but also to our merchants. And, and everybody benefits from that because that makes the merchants stronger and that also another revenue stream for, for back market beyond the, the sole uh, commission on, uh, on sales. And uh, I, I don't want to sound too cynical and stuff, but at the end of the day, we have to fight the good fights, right? And I, I never really believe like, you know, people who want to uh, fast forward and say, let's get out of the consumption economy and go like, uh, you know, precisely in, a, uh, I'm not owning my phone anymore. I'm just, you know, renting it. And it's basically, it's going to keep on circulating from hands to hands. Like my mom or my mom's neighbors, like they just don't necessarily understand that they are not educated they don't have the tools to you know even like simple like that can be empowered through apps or you know like a, a, and and she, they would not know how to navigate and yeah. I, I love my mom i have a tremendous respect for her but i know that if i really want to have a, an impact in our life and an impact at the large scale we have to start with simple stuff and simple stuff is people what people get like i know i can get a device well why wouldn't get a second hand one or a refurbished one instead of buying a new one that's an easy thing to install uh, and uh, installing a reflex for repair through a repairability index that's an easy thing to get and like that's how we take concrete step at scale uh, that where we'll have the biggest impact rather than dreaming up new way of consumption that are probably great for the future, but we have to do the obvious steps before if we want to have concrete impact, like in a short period of time, as Regis was saying, like repairability index happened in two years. Awesome victory. And like there are dozens of other victories like this one that are, you know, the obvious, maybe less fancy 
concepts, but obvious ones that are going to prove to be very efficient, I'm, I'm sure. So that was it for today. That was Fair Talks number seven. We learned uh, from two very different companies and how they are extending the lifetime of electronics and how we can make from refurbish and repair the new normal. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.